0: Welcome back, mummers. As part of this podcast, I want to make sure that I tell all different stories of motherhood and matrescence. Matrescence is a framework that finally describes what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother, how her identity completely transforms, and that it takes her some time. To understand what it means to be a mother. It takes time to become a mother. It is not something that happens automatically. And underneath all of that, we carry deep expectations around what it means to be a mum, who we should be, how we should act and how we should feel. And so this podcast episode is one that I am really proud to share with you. This is all about The Matrescence of Adoptive Mothers. Melissa Christian is an adoptive mother of three children from Taiwan. She read an article in a magazine that I wrote describing what matrescence was. It was such a moment for her to realise that even though her children were not biological, there was something profound that was changing in her. Matrescence gave her the word and the framework to understand how she had changed and why she's been feeling the way she has. Since then, she went on to create a Facebook group to support other adoptive mothers and is beginning to see how profound this could be. We need a new language and new support around women who become adoptive mothers just as much as we need it for all of us. This story made me cry at least three times. It showed me how universal matrescence is, but also it opened my eyes to a new understanding of the pressure and expectations we put on women who decide to adopt their children. It is a really important conversation whether you have adopted children or not, I know it's going to open your eyes and heart in a whole new way. Enjoy. Dedicated to changing the conversation about what it means to be a mother and a woman in this day and age, I'm Amy Taylor Cabaz, author, mama, and former journalist. After spending 15 years chasing news and burning myself out trying to be superwoman, I realized that I was chasing a dream that no longer served me, and since then. Dedicated myself to understanding the transition that we go through as women when our whole identity shifts with motherhood. Every week, I will bring you the very best insights and inspiration I can find to help us all change the way we feel about this time in our lives and create a movement that allows us to honour motherhood differently. Melissa, I am so excited about this conversation that you and I are about to have. Thank you so much for reaching out to me and coming on this podcast to talk about matrescence and motherhood for adoptive mothers. Thank you. Thank you. So my goal for this conversation is to do two things. One is to point out and make everybody aware that matrescence is for adoptive mothers too, that this mm-hmm. is very much an experience and a framework that we need to use when we talk about mothers that have become mothers through adoption, but also to highlight the differences, what it feels yeah. like to be an adoptive mother, and how we can all understand that differently. So let's begin at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your experience of becoming a mother and choosing to go down the path of adopting your three beautiful children that you now have. Okay, thank you. First of all, I
1: guess like every woman, you have the dream of getting married and having children and it's all rosy and it's beautiful. Well, less than six months into my marriage, I discovered I had endometriosis. And, yes, I was kind of told roughly what it meant and you should try for children in the next six months and everything will be okay then. Once you have children, it'll be fine. So, of course, we did that and it didn't happen. And years went by and there were different doctors and all the rest of it. And they kept saying, oh, you're well under 30. I was in my early 20s then. Um, let's not worry about it. Wait till you're over 30 and then we'll look at your infertility issues because it'll happen. So... It uh, got to 30 and it still didn't happen. And, you know, people did suggest, my mum just said, oh, you make good adoption. And it's like, oh, no, no, I'm going to have a child. I am going to have my own child. I can do this. And then of course you go through the depression of infertility and all that that hangs over your head and drags you down. And then it's one day I decided to just look up adoption and how to go about it. And it's like, yeah, okay, maybe I can do this. And it wasn't really until I saw a friend of mine with her adopted daughter and her four biological children. And the family unit was just amazing. She just blended in. She didn't, no one saw her color. No one saw anything about it. She was just a part of the family and how the siblings reacted and interacted together was just amazing. I went, I can do this. So we started the process and as you probably know or have heard, it's very long and They go into the ins and outs of your relationship and your finances and medical and every part of your life is pretty much dissected and checked and finally you get a letter to say, you are approved to adopt and you're approved to be parents. Well, that's great. Wow. And you wait. Well, the waiting for having a child the seven, eight years prior to adoption is no different to waiting for a child after you apply to adopt Mm -hmm. and we waited six years. I'm not going to go into all of that, but you can imagine it's depressing. It's high moments. Oh, it could happen today. It could happen today and it doesn't happen. Oh, it's never going to happen for me. I'm just not good enough to be a
0: mum. I just, this means I should never be a mum.
1: So there's a huge roller coaster of emotions and feelings that go into all of that.
0: Wow. Can we just pause there for a moment? We and certainly just, can. Just acknowledge that massive process that you went through. My first thought when you said that was, my goodness, we we check to see you're ready for parenthood so much better when you (laughs) adopt than you ever do for for everybody else. But But I know that the listeners, the mummers listening right now, would wonder why you didn't look into IVF, why you didn't uh, consider that, or if you did, why that wasn't an option for you. Okay. I
1: didn't feel IVF was right. I have uncles who adopted and my husband's brother is adopted. And, you know, you hear about, I mean, working in early childhood, I saw many foster children and Mm. their desire to have a family. And I guess from all of those experiences, there are children out there who need parents. And I felt I could be their parent. And yes, IVF is fine and I don't have a problem with people choosing to do that. But for me, I felt that it was my place to be a parent for a child who needed a parent. Mm. And that's my decision of adoption in the end.
0: And then so when you finally did decide, it would have been this huge decision to make and then you said another six years of waiting.
1: Yes, we did. It is a huge decision to make and the first meeting we attended, I hate to say this, but I was really put off of adopting. It was like, oh, this is just way too high. Like there's, there's no chance I'm ever going to adopt. The, the requirements just seem out of reach. Mm. But I stopped and went, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fight to the end and we're going to get there because this is my only hope of having a family is how I felt and that's how I framed it. And so I fought and we fought. And as hard as it was, you eventually we eventually achieved that goal.
0: And what was that like to realise that first? Your son is seven now, so he seven is, yeah. years ago. Did yeah. you get him as a newborn? Did you meet him as um, a newborn?
1: Not exactly. Um, we found out,
0: we got our phone call when he was uh, six months
1: old um, to say that was a little boy and he interested. And, of course, it was just like, I knew the instant the phone rang and the instant I knew it was our social worker, this was my child. I just, I felt it. It was just, this is him. I had no idea about anything about him, how old he was, nothing about his history. But I just, it was just this feeling that this is my son. Um, So we then had to, because we wasn't actually with Taiwan at the time, we had to reapply to be approved to adopt in Taiwan. So we had to do that. And that took us about nine months to go through that process. And then we were also one of the first couples to have to go and tend court in Taiwan um, for them to question us. And then, due the to government and different criteria, we had to wait eight weeks to finally go back to bring our son home. And that eight weeks was probably the worst eight weeks of my whole entire life. Why was that? We went over there after seeing photos and every month you get a report about your child, you get photos about your child, and you get to know the person. Like, you fall in love with them. This is this child that's going to be yours. You just, oh, totally adorable. He's this gorgeous-looking child. He's yours. Although there's a one part of your heart that says he's not yet yours. Leave so you a little brick wall around that. And then to know, like we had a phone call Monday. And it you to be in Taiwan Friday um, to attend court the next Friday. And then you have four days to spend with your child, and you meet them, and you just fall in love with this little... Being, who was 12 months old at the time. Um, and it's just like, "Wow, well, this is our child. And then you have to leave that little child there. And the day we said goodbye to him, he cried so much. I'm probably crying in a minute too. Oh, me um, too. <laughs> it, it broke our heart to leave him and it broke his heart for us to leave them. And I am 100% sure he knew that he was probably one of the first children he didn't actually go with the family that had come to pick him up. Oh, yeah. And I believe that his trauma that he's dealing with today is a result of that time frame. We walked back in there eight weeks later. He ran to us. He asked Dad to pick him up. He took Dad to the window and he pointed out. And it's just like he knew that we were there to take him home. He, he just fitted in with our family from that moment on. He's never looked back. It just, yeah, it's incredible. I don't know how to describe all of that, but it was just hugely traumatic. I, leaving on that plane and flying out, I had all these things. I was never going to leave. I was going to stay there, but of course you can't. And it just broke up to leave our little son behind, not really knowing how long it would take before we had to go back and pick him up it's like leaving a piece of it behind. Like you just build this wall around your heart to protect yourself because you're hurting so much.
0: And was there a possibility that something would change and you wouldn't be able to go back? Or did you know at that point it was a done deal, it was just a matter of time? Or do you still hold on to the worry that this could all go away? You still have that little bit of concern, even
1: though you're kind of told that, yes, it's just a matter of paperwork and process. Of course, you still worry, like, what if, what if? But I guess the overwhelming joy that he's finally going to be yours in X week's time is also overriding that fear, even though it's just still sitting there. Does that
0: make sense? It does. It makes so much sense. You're describing it all beautifully. I oh. am in tears listening to it, and I know oh. all my listeners will be. So thank you for being so beautifully honest and open. Okay. So this podcast is all about matrescence, the transformation of us as women into mothers. So when you brought this beautiful boy home, finally, Mm -hmm. what is the experience of, of mothering him after all of that? We're talking about six, seven years of trying to have a baby, then six Mm -hmm. years of waiting to Mm -hmm. meet your baby. And then another eight weeks, excruciating eight weeks of knowing he's yours, but you can't have him yet. So when you finally bring this beautiful boy home, what is the reality? Well, I guess even there, we had a week in Taiwan
1: before we came home. I remember thinking to myself, "Am I his mum? What does a mum feel like? Is this... I, I... I just... I guess I didn't get that. Oh my goodness, this is amazing, joy, incredible happiness. Yes, I did, in a sense but I didn't have that immediate bonding and attachment. And I know my heart was protected by that brick wall. But I kept questioning, like, what, what does it feel like to be a mum? It, like, it just left me feeling a little bit empty. Like, this isn't what I expected. I expected to have this overwhelming joy and bonding and attachment and all romantic and rose-coloured, and it wasn't that. And it probably wasn't until the end of that week we actually met the birth mother and she went to um, reach out for our son to come to her to say goodbye and he turned back and he reached back to us to cling on to us. And it was in that moment that I went, I am your mum. You've just turned to me from this woman and you want me. And it was kind of selfish in my perspective, yes, but it really helped me understand that I am your mum and therefore from then on I kind of went okay I can accept I'm a mum but I still question what does it feel like and you know coming home I'd thrown myself all the years prior into working and being a career person and working with children I know how to care for children very well I had that down but I was still just a carer I was his carer I wasn't mum I remember one day um probably about five months later going I just feel so sorry for my own mum. I never thanked her for all these things that my, I'm doing for my child. I never thanked her for all her doing all those caring things for me. She did it out of love, which is what I'm doing for my son. But there's no thanksgiving. I feel just like a nobody. I'm his slave. I'm just his carer. Like, where's the happy mother
0: feeling? Mm. What's the so- difference between being a carer and a mother? Oh, my exactly. goodness, what an amazing question. It is. Know the answer? <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you would
1: say. <laughs> well, yeah, it, I think it's the process. and Of course it is. And now, looking back, you know, I've got two daughters since then, and one of them has bonded to me like you could never imagine, like the fairy tale romantic thing that you dream of and hope of. We've actually, I have that now, but the guilt for my son is huge. And I was like, I can't change what happened. He is who he is, and he's not a touchy-feely, huggy child. I need to accept that, and I don't now. And what I feel I missed out with him, I tried so hard to make it up to him when I bought my daughter's home because I felt I needed to make it up to him that I I didn't have that bond with him in the beginning that I have now with my daughter. So I guess I try to overcompensate. And I was so glad for Circle of Security and therapeutic parenting courses that I've done that have helped me realise, don't be guilty. Now's your chance to, yes, do the right thing by him and understand. But the biggest thing is, yes, to understand my own feelings and my own emotions. And it's okay that I was like that. It's not going to change him. He's he's doing great and we're both doing great and we have a great family attachment now, but I can't feel guilty for what I missed out on in the beginning.
0: Of course not. And this is the whole thing about my work and what I know you want to do too, is that we need to explain to women that whether it is the moment you see your child straight after birth for the first time or the moment that you bring him home from Taiwan, it doesn't make you a mother immediately. It this, doesn't. It's a process. And I know in your own healing, in your own understanding of all of this, it helped when you spoke to mothers who had birthed children and you heard mm-hmm. stories of them struggling to connect with their children at the beginning, that that was an important healing process for you. Can you tell it us ab- about that?
1: Absolutely was. Uh, Probably about a year after um, I was talking to an acquaintance of my sister's and she was just saying how her um, year-old child and how she'd struggled for the first six months and there was no such thing as this romantic idea that you just fall in love and bond and attach all the rest of it. And I was like, really? Like, you've had a biological child and you didn't have that connection? Oh, Okay, so maybe it's also bad after all. And then my sister, even when she had her son, she said the same thing. She didn't feel that immediate connection. But okay, so maybe that is okay not to have that feeling. And of course, in the adoption world, you pretend that you do and you want everyone to believe that you have because you don't want the fear of not being good enough to come out. But to actually be able to admit that I didn't have that in the beginning, Is a huge thing. Absolutely. Yeah, but it's been good that people with, mothers with biological children have been able to say that and I've been able to realise that, yes, it's okay for us as adoptive mothers the same. We're on the same page on that score.
0: And what about the process of then adopting your two girls? They are blood siblings, the two girls that have also come from Taiwan. Going into that uh, second time round, being uh, so much more aware of the process but mm-hmm. also um, yourself as a mother what was the difference? Wow it was huge
1: difference so the whole process with those two was completely different we applied in January we got matched at the end of May we went to the court in August um, and then we only had two weeks and we were back at the end of Near the end of September to bring them home, so that was super fast. That was hardly any time to process. You got matched, and siblings, oh my goodness! And here we are, they beat them. I oh, was adorable. And like I said, a daughter meeting her that first moment at the orphanage, the youngest one, she just attached straight away like it was incredible. She just reached out and just clung on, and she didn't want to let go. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it was incredible. The older one, she was in foster care, so she's got a little bit more history behind her with trauma. Um, But I went in knowing that it's not going to happen. Like the attachment isn't going to happen straight away, and that's okay. The connection is going to take time. And I was aware of that, and I was okay with that. I I understood my older daughter's got a lot of trauma with her past, and I knew that was going to be a slow process and it's going to take possibly years for that to come. So, yeah, I was far more relaxed in myself and was just going to let it flow. And so when my youngest daughter attacked so quickly, it was, wow, this was crazy. Like, yeah, overwhelming, really. Really overwhelming. Like, you just pinch yourself and going, I can't believe these girls. I, she loves me. Like, mm. yeah, it was really overwhelming. Really, really overwhelming. Every day I just see tears going, I can't believe. Like, just pinch myself going, this is unbelievable.
0: Wow, what an amazing experience you've been through. It has been. So along the way of bringing in these beautiful three children into your family and into your world, you have also begun to realise that there is a space uh, with adoptive mothers that really is being ignored, that we are beginning, thanks to works like Matrescence and The Fourth Trimester and Attachment Parenting and all of these wonderful ideas that are starting to become more popular in supporting the process of learning how to be a mother and feeling okay Mm -hmm. about it. But there wasn't this for adoptive mothers. And you now have created a spectacular supportive space called Matrescence for Adoptive Mothers. And I just want to pause here and say from the academic and framework of uh, perspective of matrescence, matrescence is something that affects all these different areas of yourself. It is physical, hormonal, social, emotional, cultural, economic. And when you break down all of these different ways that we change on a deep level through becoming a mother, Of course there's matrescence for adoptive mothers. Of course it's the same thing because, of course, your sense of who you are changes, your emotions change, your cultural um, expectations change, how people view you, how you view people, your economic status changes, your career changes, everything begins to transform. But we weren't holding the space for the adoptive mothers to acknowledge that, were we? No. 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 And I think um, like, as an adoptive mother,
1: you are well learned in what you're going to expect from your child. There's going to be adoption trauma, regardless of how young your child is, how old your child is. Their experience of being in an orphanage, their experience of being in a foster care, local born children, into country born children, it doesn't matter how your child comes to you, there is going to be adoption trauma. And we are aware of that and we know that. And we're encouraged to focus on that to help them to become attached, to help them to have a normalised upbringing, family life, and to feel inclusive of the family. So our whole life as a mum is just throwing ourselves in to... Attaching to these children, bonding with them, helping them, supporting them through every transition of life, from the moment they begin in our families, right through all the normal experiences that children go through, plus the adoption story, which would be involving both families, or it might not involve both families directly. So there's so much trauma there that we are focused solely on all of those things. You've got the wider community who hears of adoption, but what do they mostly hear? The terrible stories that I don't want to repeat today. Mm. That's what they hear, and that's what the focus is on, is the failures of adoption. That's all the media seems to focus on. And so we've got that pressure. We've got pressure from um, family and friends who don't understand what it is to be an adoptive mother and how adoptive children are quite different to biological children, not just obviously, but because of this trauma that they have experienced and go through. Um, There's fear from adoptive children inside of being abandoned, and all those things are very real. And And the pressures of the government bodies to get adoption right and to not be a failure and, you know, to get the children in a really good place. But where do we come into August?
0: I would imagine, therefore, it would be so difficult to say that you're not loving it or you're not coping because you are so needing to prove that you're worthy of being an adoptive mother and that it's going to work and you've got it under control and it was the right decision. And Absolutely. S- with that outward expectation, the natural struggles of matrescence, of becoming a mother and figuring out, as you said, what does it mean to be a mum to this child that you Mm -hmm. would feel like you needed to hide that? Is that what you see in your group as well? I know in your own life, but in this group of women that you now connect with? Absolutely.
1: Yes. We... We pretend. We're great at pretending that we're great. And, you know, people look at adoption they're like, oh, my goodness, you are so lucky. Those children are so lucky. What a beautiful sparkles and butterflies and <laughs> romantic and glitter. Like, it's just adoption is amazing. Like, you are done such an amazing thing. You're amazing people. And, uh, yes, of course, yeah. And oh. Oh, as children, like, we love them beyond anything else. Please don't ever get me wrong on that. All of them, no matter how our children have come to us, we love them more than anything else. And there's this other side, though, of us. And we can never really say, actually, I'm not really coping. And the other thing is people never actually come to us and say, "But how are you going as mm-hmm. a mum? No one has ever said that. And I don't <sighs> believe anyone does because adoption is just this beautiful, rosy-coloured, beautiful picture you look at this multicultural family and how brilliant and amazing they are. And those people must be amazing people to take on those children, those poor little children. Mm. They've, you know, finally got a family now and... But there's more to it than that. Of course we, there we're is. Still, we're mothers, and we're mothers first of all, but no-one ever comes back and says, how are you, Mum?
0: And that it's okay to question what you've done and... Uh, struggle Mm -hmm. on some days and wondering if you're doing it right and fearing you're screwing it all up. Like this is a part of matrescence and that's what we need to be honest about. It does not make you a bad mum and it doesn't mean you have to justify in the next sentence, oh, of course I love them, but, you know, we should be able to have a space where we can be honest, which is what you've now created. So what do you see the healing that happens in that Facebook group where women feel they have permission to experience the whole part of becoming a mother? To be honest,
1: I would like a lot more um, openness. People are really scared. I mean really scared to open up the fear of being condemned for opening up is still huge even within the group so the group is selling you still and I'm just trying really hard to make them feel comfortable and hopefully my voice today even they can feel that they're okay, it is okay to reach out, it is okay to voice your feelings inside and the thing is none of us can heal and none of us can move forward until we recognise our own well-being and that we are struggling. I remember um, after our first son was brought home, that if I even indicated lightly that I was struggling as a mum, that there was going to be no hope of me ever having future adopted children. Mm. That's how scared I was. And that is how scared that people are today. That same fear is if I get this wrong or even say that I'm a little bit not okay it might all be taken away from me oh my and goodness. that's not okay.
0: That just makes me want to cry, that pressure on these beautiful mamas who are changing and doing the best they possibly can to feel that level of pressure to get it right. I mean, we all feel pressures to get it right as mothers, but that is, that is enormous to carry. It is.
1: and I think that is the difference between a biological mother struggling with her experience in life is that we just have that added pressure on us we have to get our children and our families right
0: it's just it's too much and it's not natural it's not and it doesn't acknowledge the reality of parenting parenting is far from perfect and joyful and butterflies and sparkles as you said So if you had your magic wand, though, let's continue with the theme of the sparkles and the butterflies. If you had a magic wand and you could get in and speak to women who are about to begin the process of adoption, Mm -hmm. you talked about wanting to put some more support around her with the post-adoption space. Would you also want to talk to her differently before she enters in? What would you say to her? Absolutely. Um,
1: Good question. Mm. (laughs) Um, Just don't go in with the expectation that take off your rose-colored glasses. Mm. Go in understanding that, first of all, you are a woman and that being a mum doesn't have to have the name to it.
0: Mm.
1: And understand that it's going to have its moment where you're going to question yourself. You're going to feel like you're struggling, perhaps even drowning. And that's okay because there's, there's people here, I'm here, there's many other people here who want to be with you through that moment and don't feel that you're a failure. Please don't feel that you're a failure. It's okay to not be okay.
0: Would it help? to know that all mothers feel like this? Like you said about that realisation that a mother, whether they're biological or not, has those dark moments of questioning, am I doing this right? I don't think I can do this. Would it help to know that motherhood in general includes these moments? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Mm. I think it just normalises for us that we're not completely separate group of women yes we're not a complete separate group of mothers we are still mothering we are still feeling the same emotions like we mightn't have the same hormonal changes that a first mother goes through but we do have changes that happen to us and i can't speak for every other woman but i I know that there's a feeling inside you that definitely changes
0: oh 100 your hormone your brain all of it would change because the nurturing gene kicks in Yes, It's 100% absolutely. still a hormonal and physical change. Like,
1: yes, on that side of it, we are. We are all in the same basket. Mm. I think the biggest thing is the traumas that our children come with is the pressures and the pressures of um, society, whoever they may be. It just adds that extra element to an adopted mother compared to a birth mother.
0: I really can see that because of this conversation with you today, Melissa. I'm exceptionally grateful for your courage to share this story. And I know that this interview is not just for mothers of adoptive children or women considering that, that we all need to understand this Mm -hmm. on a greater scale. I think a lot of my work is focused around this understanding of what it means to be a good mother and Mm -hmm. the expectations we bring to this role. And I think within that, we all need to understand the expectations and and assumptions of what it means to be a good adoptive mother and break it down and redefine it. Mm -hmm, So so to wrap up, last question, without wanting to put you on the spot, Mm -hmm. you said when you first met your son and you had those first few days with him, it was this question of what does it feel like to be a mum? Like, here I am. So when you think about what it means to be a mum now, what it means to be a mother, what does it mean to you? Um,
1: to be a mum is it's a, it's a happy place hmm. now. Um, it's, it's me, who I am. It's me as a person now. I'm not defined by my employment. I'm not defined by... My children being adopted or looking different to me. I am who I am, and I happen to be a mum. I'm a mother to these children. I didn't, I'm not uh, their birth mother. They haven't come from my womb, but they most certainly have come from my heart, mm. and my heart surrounds them. And I will do anything for these children. They are the love of my life, they are my priority, and I just feel that. We're just in a a really big, happy space together. I'm the happiest I have ever been right now in my life because of my children and the love is incredible. It's Yeah.
0: And I would add... It's (laughs) overwhelming. It is overwhelming and I've cried so many times listening to you today. And I would add that you're a mother because you went through those times of questioning it all and then figuring out that, yes... I can do this and I am the one to love these children. That's what makes you a mum too, is that you yeah. went down the path of drowning in it and finding yourself again. And that's what we do over and over and over again. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much. I will put oh, thank you. I will put in the show notes the link to the Facebook group um, that Melissa has set up. And as I said to Melissa just before I hit record, I think. There is great work for you to do in this world, Melissa. I hope you're ready because this is a conversation that needs to be had far and wide. So thank you for what you're doing. No, my pleasure. And thank you so much, Amy, for having me. And thank you for
1: your article that I saw in the magazine that you spoke about my trust. And it was just like a light bulb moment. I went, wow, this is real. I am so grateful for what you wrote that article because it really, really opened up to me that I have a word now that I can use to say, describe who I am and my experience. So thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. We're here to spread it far and wide together. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. It is such a privilege to be bringing these conversations to the world. I really believe Melissa is going to change the conversation around adoptive parents we really need that. Matrescence is only the beginning of understanding the changes that we need to put in place to support mothers differently. And if you know of anybody who has been through the adoptive process or is considering it, I ask you and urge you to please share this podcast far and wide. Melissa and I want to get this out there as much as possible so we can begin a new movement for mothers of adoptive children. The link to Melissa's Facebook group to support you if you are an adoptive mother is in the show notes. And as I said, please share this podcast far and wide. Until next week, Satnam.